Sports Radio 610 presents Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast. We coming to age time. Let's get the work in, man. Let's go. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Happy Tuesday to all of you. Happy day two of Astros spring training coverage here on Sports Radio 610. To all of you, thanks to Shoppa's John Deere for bringing us here. And we had a great time yesterday over at the ballpark. And we're headed up to Port St. Lucie today to see the Mets and the Astros. Uh, that was fun yesterday. Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne. Seth, how you doing? I'm good. That was a blast yesterday. It was, yeah. uh, it was beautiful weather. We got to go out to the, the spring training facility. And it's, uh, it's immaculate, as everybody has always told me. It, it, it wasn't really is. Be, yeah. It is so nice. It's really, really nice. And it's so laid back. I highly encourage everybody uh, at some point to go out there and take a little trip. The one thing I, thought, the thing I was jealous of was uh, we were up in the press box. But like right next to the press boxes are the the spring training luxury suites. Sweet. Oh, they're so cool. They're like cabanas. I know. Because they're all open air and it's pretty breezy there. So like the breeze is going through. Yeah. And if you were to take like a three day vacation and if you have the means, just rent out some of those suites, that's got to be badass. It was really cool. It, they had the windows were open in the press box where yeah. we were too. And it was probably 85 or 86 yesterday. Their 85 here is different than our 85. <laughs> Houston. It's a well with the breeze is going. That's yeah, what I mean. yeah. Like, there's it's, no way you have the windows open in Houston when it's 85 degrees. It was. Uh, yeah, it's supposed. To, uh, our landlord was telling us that it, it's going to get super hot today, though. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. warning us about okay. the heat. And I was like, okay, yeah. I told you three times we're from Houston, man. So, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll be okay, Mike. We'll be fine. <laughs> I know you're from Ohio. Go ahead and pipe in some air pollution. All right, then we'll talk. That's right. <laughs> and a dust storm from Lubbock. You want to get into a competition about air quality, you son of a... Yeah. It is funny. that it, it is a really nice ballpark, and it reminded me it reminded me of, in a way, of Texans training camp when they were in West Virginia. Yeah. In that, in that boy, if you want to go be kind of around your team, yeah. but... Do it in a way where you can really get up close. You got room to kind of spread out. Um, Astro spring training yesterday was was pretty cool. Um, obviously, in West Virginia, it's all workouts and and you know intra squad scrimmages and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just a different experience. It's really laid back. It's, yeah. It was cool. Well, yeah, yeah. Like like spring training for baseball is just a whole different. That's why I, I mean they're they're so different in terms of the way football teams operate and baseball. But, the, you know, the biggest thing, honestly, I, and I was thinking about this as we were talking to Forrest Whitley, is that in, in football, we're sitting here wringing our hands over which one of these quarterbacks is going to show that he's ready to play three months from now. Yeah. And pretty much he'll have about a one- or two-year window to prove himself. just doing that five minutes. Yeah, ago. or he'll be Carson Wentz the hell out of here. Yeah. Versus, you know, Forrest Whitley that's like, well, I don't know, you know. He's like 47 his, years in his, old. In his 87th year of <laughs> development, it looks like this might be it for him. He might have, like, really, he's recovered from his Tommy John, and I think he might be ready to be a starting pitcher. On a day where he gave up four rockets in the second inning, he's like, that felt pretty good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, if you, if you evaluated. If you evaluated ev- the box score. If you, or if you evaluated football preseason games even the, with rookies especially the way you do uh you know spring training games in baseball that's oh, yeah. completely different like pitchers especially you he just threw don't care three picks yesterday yeah. or like you know, altuve strikes out three times the only thing that would concern me about altuve striking out three times if it was a normal spring training i wouldn't worry about it at all but when he was trying to expedite his between pitch routine yeah it looked like he it looked like he couldn't even you know, he always adjusts his wrist straps on his gloves. Yeah, he, vel- he unvelcros and velcros. Yeah. But it looked like he couldn't 
I, I couldn't even tell if he was properly doing it or not. He Same. was doing it so quickly. He didn't step out of the box nope. and kick the dirt like he usually does. And he, but he was swinging very freely. Yeah. His first at bat, he swung five times on six pitches before striking out. Yeah. Oh my He's God. ready to go. Except, um, I think it might take him a little while to adjust to it. Uh, if yesterday is any indication, yeah, yeah, that would seem to be the case. Um, yeah, so there's definitely observations from yesterday. We were at the game. The Astros, they lost 4-3, to three, I think, to the Marlins. I wasn't paying too much attention to the score. I was paying more attention to the clock than the score. Yeah. I was sitting next to our boss, Parker, and after each inning, we're like, holy cow, that, that half inning was only eight minutes. Wow, that half inning was four minutes. Yeah. It was the, – the, the game was – the game was two hours and 19 minutes, and I guess just for some perspective on that, and again, this is all because of the pitch clock that they've implemented, and, and I, the, as stressed out as I was about the pitch clock watching highlights of it on Saturday, it was not very intrusive at the game yesterday. It was just something that kind of kept the pace going. Two hours and 19 minutes set. The average Astro game last year was what sounds like, honestly, shorter than I would have thought, three hours and five minutes. Their shortest game was two hours and 27 minutes last year. Yeah. So yesterday's game was shorter than and, – and their Sunday game was two hours and, and six minutes. I and mean, I think, you know, the one thing that's a little bit different in spring training games is you, you might not necessarily get as many pitcher changes, uh, you know, as, sure. things games that actually count. There was one pitcher change yesterday. Yeah. I think there was one mound visit. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, you know, there's that part of it. And, um, you know, guys aren't quite as sharp at the plate yet. So – I think that the biggest thing I noticed was that it just felt like brisk pace of play. It didn't feel, other than Altuve, and you know, obviously I don't know the Marlins players closely enough to know how their routines are different, but it didn't feel like anything was particularly hurried. It just felt like a brisk pace of play. Like if you, had, if you hadn't told me anything about a pitch clock, I wouldn't have gone out and thought, hey, something's askew here. Right. What's, what's going on? What tarnation's going on here? Right. It's, uh, it was just, except for also... The the people who were training how to run the pitch clock were seated right in front of Adam Spillane and I. Oh, really? So we were like kind of listening to the mechanics of it the whole time. Oh, what did you hear? That's really interesting. I didn't realize that's what it was until Spillane told me as we were leaving. I thought it was okay. just annoying people okay. from the Marlins. We got to get Spillane up to yeah. speed. He needs to he needs to understand that you and I are not as dialed into every nook and cranny of what goes on up there yeah. as he is. Well, it was. Uh, I I just I'd heard the one time I heard a couple times they screwed up, but I thought it was. Again, because I didn't know who they were. I thought they were just Marlins officials or something, or Marlins people. that I, I didn't know what was going on. But, yeah, we'll talk to Spolane about that later. You should talk to them yeah. next time you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll go in and uh... – Just ask them after the game, like, how's it going, you know? Yeah. That would be, I feel uh, like that's something that's prohibited or something. I don't know. You don't you, – you, you won't know Can I write an try. expose about how they're clueless and you out should. to lunch? Expect <laughs> a catastrophe. <laughs> yeah. These guys didn't even know what they were doing you the should. very first time they'd ever tried to do this newfangled rule. Ask them some super hard question, and yeah. they don't know the answer to it. They're like, I was asking them questions. They didn't even know the answers. There are, you know what? Honestly, for uh, a game of rules and hard lines and uh, tradition, Major League Baseball's website is the ab- – and the rule book itself is the absolute worst. Yeah. Like, they don't – they'll yeah. update – they'll change rules and then not update the website, especially during COVID. It was real. But there's still some rules that were changed during COVID that when you go to the website – it's actually still the rule from, from so pre-COVID. Funny. And then there's – but, like, even when they explain the pitch clock, they'll say – or the shift. All right, the shift, you, you have to have be in a certain position while the pitcher's foot is on the rubber. Right. But they never, they never say explicitly when you're allowed to move out of the shift. So, mm-hmm. presumably, as soon as, you know, the pitch is gone. Um, but people are asking me these questions, specific questions about the shift and pitch clock. And I, 
I can't find the answer. So you're right. Yeah, we should just ask the uh, whoever's allowed to talk to us. On yeah, Wednesday. yeah. I was just curious, like, you know, how much pressure they feel in or whatever to get that clock right. At some point, that clock is going to cost somebody a game that matters. Okay, this is one thing we did learn, that the umpire is wearing a buzzer. And I'm sure they've talked about this on television, yeah. but, I, but I heard it from the horse's mouth. Right. So the umpire is wearing a buzzer. And so he'll be notified, you know, he gets the buzz when, which in, in, again, to go back to football, like, okay, can, in, in the NFL, can officials not have a buzzer? Like, do I have to keep, for the play clock, like, do I have to keep listening to this BS explanation that, like, well, the back judge can't possibly take his eyes from the play clock down to the center and see if the ball has been snapped really in less stupid. than three seconds. That is yeah. really dumb. That they it's don't awful. Have a buzzer. Yeah. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. 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 Or yeah, just lay an audible buzzer. Right. Right. Yeah. That's silly. That is silly. All right. Um, we got a lot of stuff to get to from our trip to uh, the game yesterday. We're headed up to Port St. Lucie today. Uh, the, uh, the Mets and the Astros today. We get a little Luis Garcia action today, Seth. A little, uh, a half a rocking little, of a the little baby. hot half rock the baby action yeah. going on. Yeah, that'll be good. It'll be good. So we'll get you all to speak. We had a whole lot more observations from yesterday out at spring training that we will get to here on the show. Um, the, uh, the, the quarterback carousel is moving. The combine is part of this. The combine is basically part rookie job interview and part uh, uh, auction and swap, uh, swap meet. Um, and the quarterback carousel is moving. One quarterback released yesterday and another one using the combine to find his next employer. How does that affect the Texans? We will tell you next. Shoppers John Deere presents live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. All right, big thanks to uh, Shoppers John Deere. Academy Sports and Outdoors as well, bringing us here to West Palm Beach, Florida for Astros Spring Training. We were out there yesterday. We will be up in Port St. Lucie today for the Mets and the Astros. We'll keep you up to speed all day long on social media as we were yesterday, um, as well as doing hits on the other shows. Seth went on with the guys on In the Loop. I was on the drive yesterday. We're going to flip that around today. Did a little Facebook Live last night. So we're making it more than just these four hours as we're down here. We're keeping you up to speed um, all day long. Uh, here on uh, Sports Radio 610. Um, the uh, quick football, we'll circle back to the Astros. A few news items uh, for the offseason here. Um, one, Seth, have you sent a congratulatory text to your brother, Duran? Duran Payne? He oh, became yeah. the first player uh, named uh, first player hit with a franchise tag this off season. Yeah, yeah. That's what, this is the well, this is the time of season when all the guys that you get excited about as potential free agents uh, vanish yeah. before your very eyes. You've got all your you've got your list of top free agents. You're like, I can't believe this guy's going to be a free agent, and then all their respective teams say, Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to be a free agent. That is one that would look good in a Texans uniform. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. And I think everybody anticipated that he was going to yeah. be, um, yeah, that he was going to be sealed up. Obviously. Yep. So he's the first one. One of what are we a handful of franchises? Yeah, next. Lamar Jackson's the big one. That um, the, the the flat out assertion by J- John Harbaugh was that Lamar Jackson was going to be their quarterback next year. Lamar Jackson wants the Deshaun Watson money. And the Ravens don't want to give him the Deshaun Watson money. That's $230 million fully guaranteed. And um, I don't know. What's your feeling at, at, at this point? Does Lamar Jackson end up getting 
230 million guaranteed. I think it depends on what franchise tag he gets. I think if he gets, because I don't want to get too nerdy, but there's one, there's an expensive franchise tag where teams can't negotiate with him. Yeah. There's a less expensive one for the Ravens, but teams can negotiate with him like he's a free agent and they have a right to match. Yeah. I think if they did the one where teams can, where teams can sign them. Now, the team that signs him would have to give up two first round picks to the Ravens. That's yeah. part of the franchise tag. I could see a team like the Jets. Who have announced that they are basically desperate for a quarterback? Yeah. Their owner has said, "We will do anything to get a quarterback." If he gets the non-exclusive franchise tender, I think there's a chance he could get that deal. Just not, he's not getting it from the Ravens. Okay, if he's so, going to get it from the Ravens, he would have got it already. But you're still you're 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 punting on this. Why? I'm asking you to tell me. So what's going to happen? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, he'll be a Raven next year. Okay. They'll give him the they'll give him the high price franchise tag. But so will they also give him a two hundred thirty million dollar? No, no, no. He'll play under the franchise tag next year. Oh, he'll play under the franchise tag. He'll have. He's to. not obligated to. No, he's not. Well, he could hold out. He doesn't have to. Yeah, he yeah. can just not sign the contract. He'll play under the franchise tag. Okay. Yeah, That's I don't. I don't prediction. think he's holding out. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's holding. I think he will be. He will play for forty-five million dollars for the Ravens. Next I don't year. know, man. Things are different these days. People, like, players, have shown more of a willingness to just go to the mattresses on these things. But you think Lamar Jackson? You don't think he comes up with a mysterious hamstring injury I'm, if it doesn't? I, I, uh, I'm just saying, week one, I think he's playing for the Ravens. I don't know how the whole saga is going to go, yeah, Seth. Yeah, you're just yeah. asking. I, I'm, you're asking me what I think is going to happen. So you, I, I mean, you don't think he's going to get the 230 million? Guaranteed. I do not. Okay. No, I think he, if he would have gotten it already, if he was going to get it, does he get it two years from now after he uh, after he's? I'm going to say no. I think there's a chance he's banged up in two years. Yeah, like, that's the problem. Yeah, is, of all the guys that should, of all the guys who might pull a Kirk Cousins and just play under the franchise tag until the team has to let you go, then I, I, he's not the right guy to do it. No. Because even, even if he stays healthy for one of the years, it's, it's two of these next two seasons and people will be too worried about the injuries. He's the wrong guy to, he's the wrong guy to try to get the fully guaranteed Yes. Money. Because yeah. of his style of playing, because of his injury history. Yep. Okay. A- absolutely. So that yeah. So that's that's what I think happens. I it would be more fun if he got the the lower franchise tag, and you could really see what his value is on the open market. But the crazy thing is, and that's where the quarterback contracts are so out of skew. The guy who's closest to it right now is Kyler Murray, who's not nearly the same level of quarterback when healthy nope. as Lamar Jackson. No. I like not as effective. Nope. And uh and yet that's where we are. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the Ravens he's on the wrong team like the Ravens the Ravens are they'll hold fast on stuff like that cuz I think there's of all the teams in the NFL that are confident that they could overcome losing a franchise quarterback, yeah. it's probably the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. You know, they're really really good in the personnel side of things. Hell, they found him with the 32nd overall pick in the draft. We woke up Spillane. He's he's downstairs here now. We were because we were doing we were doing the show. Um, so uh, Derek Carr, he arrives in Indianapolis today. When I saw the first sentence on this tweet from Ian Rappaport, I'm like, oh, he's in Indiana. He's visiting the Colts. Oh, yeah, this yeah. would be great. Yeah, was, but no, he's in Indy because the combine is there, and that's the best place to go meet with a bunch of teams at one time. I thought he should have done what Kevin Durant did, which is make everybody go out to the Hamptons. Yeah, what a jackass! This time of year, they would have been at least teams would have been able to find places to stay. Remember. Durant went out to the Hamptons at the peak of summer in June, and like none of these team officials, like with a normal budget, could go out and find a place to stay. So the Warriors were all like all the executives for the Warriors were holed up into one like Airbnb room or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Airbnb even existed back then. So it was uh, like that was that was a big brass balls move 
by Durant and kind of a kind of a jerky move. Uh, I feel like Derek Carr's doing the right thing. Go where go where they already are. Yeah. Meet with them and just get to know everybody. And as you would point out, of all places to go to, that's the opposite of the Hamptons. Yeah. Indianapolis. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like well, I don't you know in the Hamptons probably the same level of breaking of societal taboos except like in the Hamptons they're doing it because they feel like they're rich and above the rules why are they doing Where it in Indianapolis they just don't even understand the rules <laughs> gotcha. they're just like eh, <laughs> okay. I want you eh. <laughs> right and that's where he's going to meet with let me team. touch you there okay yeah <laughs> okay. Well, that was graphic <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to I'm just describing the way it no, is no I know I know in Indianapolis it's a graphic place I was, yeah, how I babies know. happen I don't know <laughs> just, just got a baby <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> um, Carson <laughs> Wentz, Carson Wentz released <laughs> by Washington yesterday. Um, is this the last? Is this it for Carson? Here's Carson Wentz. This is this is how you can measure the dwindling value of somebody. And just how, when people say where you get drafted in the draft doesn't matter, yeah, that's that's malarkey. That is hogwash. It is ballyhoo. Because Carson Wentz was the second overall pick in the draft, and he kept getting chance after chance after chance. Because these teams thought, specifically Frank Reich and Indy, thought he could resurrect him. When Philly traded for him, when they traded up to get him, yeah. they gave up, they gave up uh, two firsts, a second, a third, and a fourth, scattered out over a couple of years. When Philly bailed on him, Indy gave up a third and a first. When Indy bailed on him, it was a second, or it was a, a second, a third and another second. It was like it was some mid-round picks. Now he's released. Well, like finally that, he's fine. It was a bunch of picks yeah. and then fewer picks and then some mid-round picks and now he's done. The crazy thing was that he made twenty-eight million dollars last year in a season in which there was a debate over whether it should be him or Taylor Heineke. Yes, and yeah. almost everybody thought it should be Heineke. He, that yeah, was, including <laughs> all his teammates. As he's making twenty-eight million dollars, man. I, as far as Heineke being the popular one. I would go over the same thing with the uh, the kid in with the Jets there last year. Um, Mike it, White. It's pretty yeah. easy to be popular when you're the guy making minimum and you just kind of show some. If you show a certain brassiness about you, you can take some hits. Versus and the guy that the other guy in the locker room is this dude making twenty eight million dollars a year and he's awful. Like then, like people naturally gravitate towards the scrappy dude. And he's and he doesn't have a likable personality. Like yeah. Carson Wentz is not likable. Zach Wilson. Is he doesn't feel like he feels Zach Wilson feels like the rich kid. Yeah, it's cool yeah. that everybody hates. Yeah, like the kid from the eighties movies. Right, right. you know, the like is just all the cliche. Like I hate this rich kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so Carson Wentz is done. So he's well. I somebody never underestimate the hubris of NFL coaches who feel like just like in Washington. Like, well, sure, sure, he didn't make it under Doug Peterson or Frank Reich or any of these other coaches, but certainly under Ron Rivera, he'll thrive. Like, what the hell? But, but the Washington one is interesting because they hired Eric Bieniemy to be the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Like, Eric Bieniemy is now stepping into a situation where they, they have, a, they have a, an acute – I mean, they had a need even before they released Carson yeah. Wentz, but, like, they've got to find a quarterback now. Right. You know, I wonder what they end up doing because they're, right. not, they're not in – they're not in position to – I think they're picking They're picking somewhere in the 12 to 15 range, I think, maybe 16th overall. They're not really in position to get any of the big rookie guys. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, so, yeah, so that's, uh, that's where we are with the quarterbacks in the, uh, in the combine. So there's your update on, on that as we, uh, as we head into uh, combine week. Speaking of quarterbacks for the Texans, we'll get to that. There's one name in particular that it came up, an ESPN insider – 
floated this idea about the Houston Texans. How would we feel about this solution? And some, honestly, Deshaun Watson and Quincy Avery was some of the most absurd audio that I've heard in a long, long time that we will have for you as well next. We'll circle back to the Astros as well. Observations from yesterday's game against the Marlins and what we've seen so far at spring training. We'll get to that as we head towards the top of the hour. Shoppers John Deere presents live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. Hi, welcome back. Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610. We just got done getting you up to speed on things going on around the combine and quarterbacks. One more quarterback nugget, and this one is the Houston Texans. Uh, Jeremy Fowler. Drop this little Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com. Drop this little nugget on TV earlier this week. Where could Jimmy Garoppolo land? And we have Jimmy Garoppolo. So talking to teams around the league, he's expected to be really number three on the pecking order behind Carr and Aaron Rodgers in this quarterback carousel we're all talking about. And some natural fits the teams mentioned. You got the Houston Texans if they need a bridge option behind whoever they draft. And then the Atlanta Falcons, because he you know Arthur Smith runs a variation of that Kyle Shanahan system. But Garoppolo's going to be costly. He wants a contract commensurate with his skill set and ability. Okay, I think this would be a real heat check of the D'Amico Ryans era early here. You know, D'Amico was the one coaching candidate, Seth, where I think a lot of people looked at it and said, all right, if they hire D'Amico, I'll, be a, I'll give them a little more latitude as to what they do with the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah. Because one, I feel good about who they hired as a head coach. Two, D'Amico's a defensive guy, so maybe he wants to build that side of the ball. I don't know how much validity there is to that. I think D'Amico is a head football coach and is going to draft whoever's best for the team, including a quarterback, if that's the case. Garoppolo's an interesting one, though, because he doesn't strike me as somebody that's going to a place to be the guy Jeremy Fowler describes in that cut right there. Yeah, a contract commensurate with his ability and all of that. Okay, what is that exactly? Yeah. Um, because I don't think, for one, that anybody should expect him to be better than he was with Kyle Shanahan. That's my golden rule. You're not yeah. going to be better. You're not going to be better away from Kyle Shanahan than you are with Kyle Shanahan. And then there's also the fact that in in the five years that he's been there the entire time in San Francisco. He's only had two seasons in which he started more than 11 games. Um, wow. More than 10 games. At, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, more than 10 games. So he started 16 games in his second uh, season there, and he started 15 games in 2021. But he's been banged up a lot. And remember, he got banged up after his first two starts in New England. So even when he wasn't the named full-time starter, he when he had a chance at four starts, he only made it twice because he got injured. Like yeah. you just and he's one year older with one extra injury under his belt now. I don't think that you can sign him ever and expect him to be your guy. If he has any illusions about being anything more than a bridge to another quarterback, he's he's delusional. Now, that doesn't mean that teams out there aren't willing to pay a boatload of money for a, a bridge quarterback. Like, you just brought up the, the Washington. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I could He's see... He's a candidate. Yeah, and especially, I don't know, man, you're trying to potentially sell a team. You're, you want to dress it up a little bit. Garoppolo's the guy that can come in and give you credibility, at least, in the short term. Sure, sure. Um, I guess, in, in, in speaking of the short term, I mean, I guess with the Texans, like, okay, if you sign Jimmy Garoppolo, this we know. He's your starting quarterback in 2023. Yeah. So... And free agency takes place before the draft. So if the Texans are going to be in on Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think it's safe to assume they're at least making phone calls about it. You make phone calls about everything, I would imagine. 
They will have signed Jimmy Garoppolo before the draft. Right, right. But I guess, but if it, but he's definitely not your long term solution either. So I think you can't. And I guess they're going to be honest with Garoppolo if they talk to him as a free agent. But I would think that they, the honest conversation would be: Look, if we if we draft a quarterback, then yeah, you'll be in competition with that quarterback. But does that take? Because you you and I played this little game yesterday as we were sitting around at dinner yeah. time, where, where we were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, and I said, "Man, can you imagine if they signed Jimmy Garoppolo and then still went ahead and drafted Bryce yeah. Young or C.J. Stroud?" Yeah. And your first reaction was, "Well, those are two guys that you expect to start right away. You know, yeah. they're going to those guys are going to sit for a year. So let's workshop that a little bit. Do they sit for? A Although year? they could sit for a year." Um, if they're not ready or if you don't feel like they're ready. But that's a whole, like, I, I don't know. I feel like that question is doesn't actually matter anymore. I don't, like, does anybody, nobody, everybody who plans on that quarterback sitting for a year almost never actually sits the guy for a year. Yeah. Pat Mahomes sat for a year. Because, you know, if Alex Smith hadn't stayed healthy, then Pat Mahomes wouldn't have, I mean, he, he started at the very end of the season just to, to basically to blood him. Sure. Um, and... But so if Garoppolo stayed healthy, then maybe that could happen. But the plan would still be just like with Alex Smith. Okay, then next year we're moving on. So you know what, Garoppolo might be open to that. In that, if he gets a year to to play in a scheme with which he's familiar and comfortable, presumably the terminology is going to all be the same, and he can prove that he stayed healthy for a year. The Texans have a younger quarterback. Maybe he starts this year. Maybe he doesn't. But if Garoppolo stays healthy, it's probably Garoppolo. Then, yeah, maybe that, that would actually make sense in that scenario. Yeah, and but, I, but you got to be open with Garoppolo about it at the beginning. Otherwise, there will be drama. Well, if you think about it, too, not that I think Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans are going to have a hard time compromising on things they don't yeah. necessarily agree on. I think they will. I'll think I think, as you've pointed out, even before they hired D'Amico, those two can work really well together, and I think they have and will work really well together. If ever there were a quarterback that the two of them would probably, like a bridge quarterback or a veteran quarterback, that those two would probably settle on and, yeah. and agree on, Casario was in the building when Garoppolo was drafted. D'Amico was in the building when Garoppolo had his best success as a starter. Well, and the other they thing, both got experience with him. Like the other thing is that like <laughs> Garoppolo is like a fungible asset where you can uh, you feel like Bryce Young's ready and we feel good about him and oh boy, half the league is running some version of the Kubiak Shanahan offense now. It's a trade deadline, a team that needs a quarterback because their guy got dinged up and they're playoff, playoff ready. All of a sudden, you got a nice trade piece with Jimmy Garoppolo. So, yeah, it could be a, it could be a nice down payment on uh, kind of how San Francisco treated him last year. You know, they gave him a, they, they, they reworked his deal. They could have traded him. They decided not to. It worked out for the best for them that, that they didn't. Um, you sound open to it. I'm open to it. I'm way more open to it than I thought it would be. But, but and that's the big but. It's it all requires being open and honest with Garoppolo about what yeah. might happen. Garoppolo, yeah. okay, does Garoppolo want to go to a rebuilding team? I guess this is the hard part to accept. It's way more likely that Garoppolo turns down the Texans than the Texans turn down Garoppolo um, because Garoppolo yeah. just flight. He might have an opportunity where somebody's going to give him like a, a four year deal with really good money just because that team says screw it, we don't care. We want to. We got to do something. We got to get a quarterback in here right now. We don't. We don't have a good draft pick. Yeah, and I I think there's enough teams that are in a better position to win with Garoppolo than the Texans are right now. Yeah. uh, To where? Yeah, I'm with you on that part. Garoppolo's going to have options. I don't think he's a great quarterback or anything like that, but I I do think he's he's going to have options. Um, I heard this bit of audio on um, in the loop yesterday, and you and I were reading some tweets about it yesterday as we were sitting at the uh, the Astros and the Marlins game. Um, Quincy Avery has a podcast, the QB Takeover, or as 
I like to call it the uh, QB takeover of credit, credit for guys being good. The guy. Yeah, the QB credit takeover. <laughs> um, he had a he had Deshaun Watson on as a guest. Somehow, yeah. it was a good get by him to get Deshaun Watson. Of course, Deshaun Watson is one of Quincy Avery's pupils. Um, and uh, Quincy Avery, I don't even know if this is a question. This is just some audio of Quincy Avery, basically just gassing up Deshaun Watson to say, "Hey, man, you're going to become one of the best quarterbacks in the league again this yeah. year." I'm not sure people remember just how special you are as a quarterback. What do you think this little year is going to look like on the field? Because I think that you're going to remind them you're one of the absolute best quarterbacks in the NFL. I look at the stats all the time from your last year at Houston, how much you dominated the NFL. What's going to make you better than that last time when you were number one in every statistical category in the NFL? Oh, for sure. I think it's just going to be work. You know, if people had so much expectations and high expectations and, you know, all that stuff generates from the media. You know, sometimes I take it personal. It just depends on, you know, how they speak it. Most of the time, I don't really take it personal because that's their job in the media to be able to kind of talk good, bad, whatever they want to talk about. When I look at it that way, it's People thinking that, oh, I fell off, but, you know, this, that, the third, you know what I'm saying? All it is is they know how good I am, and they know the limit I am. So if I don't, you know, reach that standard and the expectation of myself and what I can play at, then, of course, it's going to be a failure. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's really just going ahead and, and putting the work each and every day. You know, I'm not worrying about all that stuff. You know, I hear it, I see it, but that stuff ain't going to bother me. That's what they, that's their job. You know what I'm saying? I like when people underestimate me. You know, because when that shit happens, you know, that's when I, you know, I take it to a whole nother level. I got to train hard, you know what I'm saying? And, and have everybody around me at the same level. And once we do that, we can make something special for food. You know, fill in the pieces. And once we get rolling, we're going to be rolling. Yeah, the um, <laughs> the problem with the way that was set up was that Quincy Avery said you were number one in every statistical category. I feel like you've got the numbers in yeah, Well, he was number one in, in, in quite a few statistical categories. Unfortunately, he was ninth in touchdowns, which... Uh, you like to point that out, how the goal is to score points. The goal... You're awfully like, picky. I, I hate to get too stat nerdy <laughs> about it. You're awfully picky about it. Yeah, that. I know. Like, I, I really hate... I hate that I'm obsessed with scoring points, but I've always felt like a mark of a good offense. It's what happens between... Between the 20s. Yeah, I get super technical. I dive in and I'm like, all right, how many points did this offense score? How many touchdowns? And you might say, well, yeah, but Deshaun Watson, you know, he, he, he rushes too. Sure, he rushed for the same number of rushing TDs in 2020 as Tom Brady with three rushing oh, touchdowns. Geez. So ninth and I feel like ninth in passing touchdowns. Yeah. Try to follow the math. It's not first in it's passing not first. touchdowns. I'm looking right now. There's yeah. eight spots between nine and one. I feel like when you look at uh, scoring offense, for instance, too, because I've always felt like a, a quarterback should measure himself by the quality of the offense, not how many passing yards yep. he amasses. Yep, yep. Uh, and yet the Texans weren't even in the top half of the league that year in in points per game. Right. You know, like I feel like it's, that's, uh, that's, that's a little bit worse than number one in the league. This is the thing. If I were a Cleveland fan listening to that, because he's not our problem anymore. It's just it, listening that uh, that audio. It's it to me. It's more funny than anything else. But the the thing about that, the thing about what you just heard, where Deshaun basically agreed with Quincy Avery's assessment that he quote dominated the league. Yeah. The Texans were four and twelve in that season, and there were times in that season. After games, the Texans lost. Which, which I pointed out. I pointed this out at the time. Too. Many this times you did. This isn't like revisionist. It's by not. Me. No, you pointed this out many times, and I'm repointing it out now. He was asked many times during that season. There was. It's not as though they started four and two and went four and twelve. They were zero and four to start the year. So that year sucked all year yeah. long. 
he was asked many times about his performance during the season, and as the team is losing all these games, he was super happy with how he was putting up numbers statistically. He would he, ask, he'd be asked questions about his great performances and because he had a lot of passing yards. And, and he would just, and he he would just say, his, oh, yeah, well, you know, you, you think about being legendary and you work your butt off, and, and it, it finally happens for you. It all was right. like a ticket to ignore the final score of the game that just happened yeah. when they would ask him. And, and so – that's what he's doing there. That's what Quincy Avery's doing there. Um, for the record, now that said, um, I think he's going to be good again. I yeah. do think, like, I don't think the Deshaun that we saw in the last six games in Cleveland is going to be the Deshaun that we see in 2023. Now, is he going to be a top five quarterback in the league? Remains to be seen. I will say this: the whole thing at the end about when I get underestimated, that's when I take things to another level. Man, we're we're many many years removed from you driving down the field at the end of the Alabama game. You know, like it's we are a ways removed from Deshaun doing things yeah. in terms of affecting winning that are the, yeah, like yeah, I, like and honestly, look, I, there are. I mean, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league in some respects when he went in last year. Yeah. And like, there's viable and understandable excuses for that. But, like, again, very little actual ownership for it. You know, I mean, there were some bad drops in games. But he also, look, you're, gonna, you're playing up north now. And, um, you know, he, he gave the excuse in that podcast of having to adjust to the weather and new to- teammates. He said he was kind of thrust in, uh, you know, suddenly. Like, no, you knew exactly how you long knew how many games you You had quite for. some time to prepare for this. Yeah, yeah it was uh, you guys. That's you guys weird. negotiated your deal. So uh, I don't it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, because I think even if he does perform well, it's. It is different playing there on the lake in Cleveland. Okay, Buffalo has bad weather conditions. It's not as bad as at Cleveland. It's just, it's really... So windy? The way the wind comes in off of Lake Erie. And there, you know, in Buffalo, in Buffalo, the stadium is a couple miles inland, I believe. And you might think that might not make a big... It makes a big difference. Like, in, in Cleveland, it's right on the lake, right next to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You drive in there in winter, and, like, sometimes, like, the the... The waves are frozen in like midstream. It just, um, it's, it's, it's a different feel there. Can you imagine if Deshaun, in his first full season, after his first full season, he's complaining about the weather and the wind? So the Haslam's build them a new stadium, like thirty miles off of the lake. Deshaun, you need a new state. Like, you need a two hundred thirty million guaranteed. Okay, here you go. I need a new stadium now. You do? Okay, we'll build. You'll, we'll have it in time for twenty twenty four. We promise. It's also like if you look at the map of Deshaun, see that. The whole thing about so this is what happens with this lake effect stuff. Uh, the, is that pin where the stadium is? Yeah. So okay. I'm showing. I'm showing. Uh, this is going to be awful radio, but for Sean's sake. <laughs> so the, <laughs> basically, where where Cleveland is positioned, like yeah. all that wind that comes from the southwest goes out over Lake Erie yeah. and picks up moisture. Is and the blue? Is the blue patch the lake? That's the lake. Okay. <laughs> and so that's right next so to it the picks pin. Up all that all that moisture and just. Dumps it all over the coast of Lake Erie, and uh, not to mention all the pollution and everything that's in the lake to begin with, because they don't okay. they don't know how to filter their poop up there, and uh, they're they're one step they're one step below the the people of Indiana, frankly. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that, that's some shade right there. Um, so what you're saying is Deshaun Watson is going to be going to be miserable. It's hard to be. A, it's hard to put up good quarterback. Good, there. good. You know, there are like. You're, there will be more drops. Yeah, <laughs> Quincy Avery will still claim he's first in all the statistical categories. Um, text message. Uh, this is the trailer wheel and frame text page. Trailer wheel and frame. Uh, 
our friend Tom Middlescreen says, why do we like the pitch clock so much? If I like watching baseball, why should I be happy that I'll watch an hour less of baseball a day? That's seven hours. What if I told you you'd be having seven hours less of relations per week? Um, first of all, an hour is an exaggeration. It shaves off, I believe, on average 26 minutes a game. Um, and two, the, it's not the diehards that they're doing this for. Yeah, they're doing this for the the they're they're doing this for uh, maybe the average fan is generalizing a little too much, but they're doing it to increase the appeal, maybe to a younger audience more than anything else. Yeah, that, uh, you know what though, I, I I think this though too. Okay, I think that yes, on the surface that's what it is, especially like because people the twenty year olds aren't watching baseball at the same rate as they're watching other sports, and it's been a worsening trend. Attendance has gone down, but I do think. I think you need to ask yourself, if you're claiming to be a diehard fan like that uh, loves the pace of the game, I got to tell you, my wife is psychotic about the Astros, and she watches every she damn is. night, Yeah, and she's ecstatic about the games possibly okay. being shorter. So I don't know, man. I feel like if you actually watch every damn game or close to it, that you're going to be happy about the fact. I have to listen to her complain so much about being tired the next day. And I'm like, you can watch it. Watch the damn highlights in the morning every now and then. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, man. That's, uh, I, I, feel like, I feel like there's a little bit of false bravado and, uh, when, when people claim that they don't, they don't need a, they don't, they won't appreciate the game being any I'll shorter. tell you, when I, you were talking earlier about how you didn't really notice... The, the the sped up game because of I it. felt like it was a brisker pace. It didn't feel it didn't feel hurried did, or weird. Right, right, yeah. right, right. It, it felt like a brisk game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where I felt it when I was trying to tweet during the game. Right. <laughs> it is harder to tweet during the like. Okay. You, you get it. You get a feel, especially on an iPhone where the keyboard's kind of tough. Yeah. Uh, you get a feel for like, okay, you know what I've learned. It takes me longer than 15 seconds to send a tweet. <laughs> well, and yeah, and that's right. I did see some people who were being honest with themselves yeah. say, like, I like to not have to pay a, a complete attention when I'm watching a baseball game. Yeah. I like to listen while I'm doing something else or when I'm at work or what I'm doing. Like, I'm paying the bills. So it is to actually have to be dialed in. It kind of messes up with their flow of watching the game, which ultimately, I don't know if that's – that might be – like so, like, in radio, we measure time spent listening. Yeah. Like, um – and you want people to listen for as long as possible. And yet, if you're actually dialed in and paying attention, you're, you're more engaged and you're, and you're focused. Does that end up being like a better quality, uh, a, a better quality of time spent? I don't know. Listening? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know if, they, if, yeah, I'm not sure. Do you end up watching, do you end up watching longer because you actually do get pulled in? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think it's going to be different across different types of fans. That's, that's interesting. I say fewer people are going to get hit by balls. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. I was trying to think. I, you were as you were talking. I, that's what popped into my head. The nets. Pe I mean, the nets are already keeping things, people from getting hit, so it's harder to get hit. These days, well, but. either either fewer people are, or people are are going to succumb to their lack of an attention span. Yeah. And there's there's a better chance they get hit oh, with the ball. Yeah, they're going to get sucked <laughs> into a thread on social media. Yeah, I, I think there's yeah. I think it's this it is it is of tantamount importance now that people at the games pay attention. Yeah. You know? I wonder cuz I mean we've heard infielders say, "Yeah, you got to be dialed in all yeah. the time. There's no kind of kicking around. You got to stay engaged." Yeah. I like that part of it. Yeah, I think, I, I think players themselves once they get used to it are going to like the fact that, like, okay. Well, especially defensive players. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the guys in the outfield or whatever. That's got to be boring as hell standing out there. And it's a long stretch. Of, like, physiologically, it's just a long stretch to go without. 
Like really being able to to eat or recover and everything. I don't know. So you always see Altuve eating a little power bar during the game yeah. or what have you. Maybe now he doesn't have to eat in the middle of the game because it's not so long. There you go. You gotta, he's got to get a snack in before you put him down at night, you know? And it's like uh, timing his meals is tough. <laughs> Why are you tucking him in? Because you got to burp him and everything. And like, it's like, so now with like a, a shorter period of time, maybe there's, you're less likely to have to feed and burp him because he doesn't have to go as long between meals. What about his diapers? <laughs> <laughs> um, spring training observations, non-pitch clock. Okay. Um, we'll have some of those for you uh, in the next, including Jose Altuve. Why I'm a little concerned about Jose Altuve, um, what we're looking for um, today, and five stories from the book Winning Fixes Everything, and only four, only one of these I was aware of. Four of these I was unaware of. These are some amazing stories from the Astros back in the 2017-2018 era that we will get to next.